What's up out there, revolutionaries? I'm your host, Justin Staples, and joined with me as always is our co-host, John Custer. How we doing, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of The Vault, where we will be discussing cannabis and the LGBTQ community. Speaking with Vice President and Head of Business Development for Revolution Florida, Candace Gingrich. Candace recently joined the revolution after working more than 23 years for the Human Rights Campaign, leading national LGBTQ initiatives that focused on mobilizing the next generation of activists while promoting LGBTQ equity within our healthcare industries. Candace, welcome to the vault. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right. So we really just wanted to start at the top. Uh, we kind of like to give our guests an opportunity to explain, you know, things prior to <laughs> cannabis and what they were doing, you know, kind of what brought you to the industry and, you know, where you were active for those who don't know and aren't familiar with you uh, before you got into the cannabis space. Um, sure. Well, as you as you mentioned, um, had worked for the Human Rights Campaign for, um, you know, a couple of decades um, uh, working on uh you know, a lot of, you know, encouraging people to be activists themselves, you know, getting young people the tools and the resources and the the confidence, you know, to be activists themselves. Um, and I did a lot of work in our foundation, which, you know, obviously there's political stuff that you work on and bills and legislation. But beyond that, like we, we were finding ways to help people how they how they live their lives, you know, so looking at like workplace protections, looking at um, how we deal with um youth and in schools and and how you know queer kids get treated um looking at um health care issues um and you know even though i was focusing my work on on you know queer and allied youth you know i was still you know learning and finding out about about the other parts of the foundation and it really like the health part of it really stuck with me because uh queer people have uh, sometimes barriers to to, to finding health care and finding like accurate like helpful healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't go to the doctor because they're concerned about how they're going to get treated, if that doctor is going to even understand what it means to have a transgender patient, a queer patient. Um, and so you know, one of the things about the opportunity to work with Revolution was that, you know, cannabis is healthcare. Um, and I wanted to, to find ways to make sure that that people in the LGBTQ community, you know, had that access and, and knew that this was um, um, medicine that they could and should have access to. So is that kind of what like made you pick cannabis, I guess, specifically, like, you know, with it being just another avenue of healthcare? Was anything, you know, beyond that socially or anything more so just the healthcare aspect? Yeah, well, I mean, the healthcare aspect was, you know, when I think about medical marijuana, like, obviously, that's that's healthcare, right? right, right. Um, but as I learned more about it, you know, seeing um, particularly like how, how revolution is focused on social equity, um, recognizing that, you know, it isn't just about getting medicine to the patients, but also recognizing um, the harm that's been done to lots of other communities um, mm -hmm. in the war on drugs. Um, you know, I don't think we could say that, that you know, queer people have really faced what black and brown people have when it comes to to cannabis and and to, um, to being arrested for using cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, um, but... Um, you know, finding ways to kind of have the intersectionality so that you're working um, to lift up, you know, all of the communities. What made you sort of, I guess, when, you know, when you were at the Human Rights Campaign, I read a lot that you worked on mobilization and kind of giving youth the tools and resources to kind of when you could step away, then they could be an advocate just like you. Yeah. What made you want to spend so much time? I mean, that's two decades of, <laughs> of, with the youth, you know, and how, I guess, do you plan to use that youth experience and working with the youth to now a cannabis industry where you're likely will be working with demographics and groups of ranges of people from all walks of life? 
Well, you know, organizing tools are kind of universal, you know, across whatever, you know, age demographic against, you know, across um, whatever your, your topic or your issue of that you're passionate about is. Um, it's really about relationship building. Um, and I think, you know, for me, you know, being the VP of business relations um, in Florida is really a, a kind of more like organizing. Um, I'm going to need to be developing relationships, um, having conversations, um, and doing educating of, of, you know, people in communities, stakeholders, the, the regulators, you know, mayors, city councils, that kind of thing. Um, and for me, that's another big parallel, um, um, you know, between cannabis and doing LGBTQ, you know, equality work is that, you know, the one of the biggest barriers that we face is is ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there are definitely people out there who are opposed, right? And they, you know, um, do so for for lots of various reasons. But most people, it's really just not having all the facts about something, um, and allowing the stereotypes and the myths to to be the thing that that informs them. Um, when you know, when the truth is is out there, they just haven't heard it yet. Right. You kind of touched on it a little bit, and so I wanted to focus on it because um, it kind of leads us into our next question. How has the prohibition of cannabis impacted the LGBT community? You know, really, like, uh, we understand the access to health care that you were uh, emphasizing earlier. So just going along that aspect, you know, kind of how does the story, I guess, start in, in the community? Well, you know, it's it's another one of those parallels between kind of LGBTQ like equality and 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 cannabis uh, legalization, is that the this all started um, a lot of this started because of the the HIV and AIDS crisis, um, in particularly in San Francisco. Um, there's a man um, whose name is Dennis Perone who himself had always been a, a pro-cannabis and had always been an advocate for legalization. Um, but then um, he was a gay man, um, and he began seeing his friends, you know, start having acquiring HIV um, and getting full-blown AIDS. And um, the medicines that they had at the time um, to, to try and treat AIDS were, were terrible. They were, you know, the kind of the worst kind of, you know, if you put radiation and chemo and everything, like, and all put it in, like, you know, one ball, like, it was just terrible stuff. And it really decimated people. Um, and one thing that Dennis saw and learned was that, you know, cannabis, cannabis had palliative effects for, for people who had full-blown AIDS. Um, you know, one of the things was <clears throat> called wasting disease because they just, they weren't hungry. Like, they were being bombarded with these chemicals and just, you know, weren't hungry. Um, and this allowed them to actually have appetites again, um, um, to to be able to, to live their lives, you know, a little more normally as people living with, with, with AIDS. Um, and, you know, he founded... Um, a cannabis buyers club um, so that that patients and not just HIV and AIDS patients, but um, the elderly, the disabled, other people with chronic diseases could come to the San Francisco Cannabis Buyers Club um, and and get treatment. Um, but of course, you know, the law enforcement didn't really appreciate that. Um, there were a couple of times it got raided. Um, and so, you know, Dennis said, all right, enough. We need to make this legal. We need to make sure that people can get the medicine and, and the medical care that they need that will help them. Um, and uh, started uh, um, a, a ballot initiative to a petition drive to get signatures to get the question on the ballot. Um, and so if it weren't for Dennis Prone, you know, um, um, issue 215 wouldn't have passed. Um, California would have not become um, the first um, state to pass medical marijuana law. Um, and it really... Um, uh, stems from, 
him wanting to care for for people that that needed it most. And you know, we see that still today. You know, where where you know the majority of states have medical marijuana as as an option, um, and all of that started you know from from this compassion and from his advocacy um, back in the the late eighties and the nineties. That sounds like, you know, he and his group had such a big impact. And I'd honestly never heard of this story prior to doing research and for this interview. Yeah. Is this, you know, did you feel like the, the community, because I'm sure the LGBTQ community is maybe more aware than the general public of it. Do you feel like this has kind of almost been another community that's been sort of left out of the pie as of today? There really is no pie. Like there's mm-hmm. there's not like if, if, you know, if the queer community gets, you know, uh, some equality like it doesn't take equality away from like someone else you know so um but i understand what you're saying in that that you know we've seen a group of people who have been um um stigmatized you know and demonized simply because of of who they are um you know there's similarities in in like i talked about ignorance you know people need to come out you know as queer and allow other people to know them and that helps educate but also we're now more and more we're seeing people come out as cannabis users, you know, like I, I, this is for my health or, you know, I am a smoker, like that's it. Um, and, and that's something that we, um, you know, another one of those parallels is that, you know, when you know somebody, um, it changes your perception of, of who that person is and what that, you know, what that category is. So when you do truly know somebody from this community and you're able to identify with them and be an ally or whatever the case may be, I guess that's a a point that you have to kind of focus your business from. So that leads me, like I said, to my next question. How do companies, you know, obviously what you're going forward and establishing things in Florida, we Mm kind of have the inside track with you and your understanding, but how do other companies kind of get beyond just like the shield marketing when it comes to, you know, just trying to put a flag on something and kind of, draw in the community with instead of, you know, actually building on what you were talking about before and kind of shining light on the importance of that this community has within the the cannabis uh, industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we've definitely seen the the commercialization of pride, um, you know, where companies and businesses, you know, from, you know, huge multinational companies to just like your local, you know, coffee shop, you know, in the month of June, they're going to, like you said, they're going to put some rainbows up and they're going to, you know, maybe have a special, you know, latte that, you know, is for, um, for pride month, but then like, that's it. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong in, um, wanting to let a community know that, that you see them, that you, that you're, that you're aware that they exist or this thing, but it is what, what happens the other 11 months out of the, the year. Right. So, you know, it's things like, um, you know, not just um, not just marketing, but then also being supportive of the community, um, um, finding ways to, um, you know, I know one of the things that that Revolution does with with New Age Care, which is their their one of their dispensaries, is you know partnering on. Um, we just had the a breast cancer walk this past week. You know, like getting involved in that and finding ways to support the community. Right. So mm-hmm. same thing. They're they're LGBTQ. Um, events, their LGBTQ organizations in, in, you know, all across the country that, that your business, your company can support either financially or volunteering, that kind of thing. Um, there's, you know, what might seem to be kind of small things, but are huge to the people involved. Like, you know, does your dispensary have like gender neutral restrooms? You know, it's, it, it, it's something that, you know, going to the bathroom, it's something that we do every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are still people, even like myself, who 
are uncomfortable, you know, or have people challenge them when they go into restrooms that are, you know, of a gender that the person doesn't think you're supposed to be in there. Um, so having gender neutral restrooms, um, you know, um, one of my hopes is that, you know, in working with with as we get um, up and running in Florida, is that, you know, when we establish dispensaries, um, that we're going to have, you know, diversity training um, for, for the employees, you know, so that they're better able to serve, you know, the LGBTQ community. Um, also have, you know, some um, some training on working with vets, working with people with PTSD, um, you know, so that isn't, it is, um, you know, not just that, that rainbow once a month, I mean, excuse me, once a year, um, but it's like throughout the year, ways that you show that you are committed to um, to acknowledging and, and to seeing, you know, a community. Do you envision that, you know, this industry could extend it beyond just marketing campaigns as well? What I mean by that is, I guess, do you envision like a product line or any cannabis company that are specifically focused on the LGBTQ community kind of arising? Because you have a lot of companies like that already focusing on a niche, right? But I haven't yet seen one like that. There, there are a couple in... Um, in California um, okay. that I have seen um, uh, one I believe is, is called pride cannabis um, but it's not um, it, it's not as I don't want to say prevalent but it, it, it's it, there isn't as much as you'd think there there would be and that's something we're definitely going to look into is having a you know product line having um, maybe even dispensaries that are specifically LGBTQ focused or forward um, you know and, and looking beyond as well you know the the product but also how can we help the community? Um, um, within, you know, our, our dispensaries, within the, the grow sites, within transportation, we, we can hire LGBTQ people, right? We can do job fairs for, um, for black and brown people. We can, you know, make sure that, you know, maybe trans women of color have an opportunity to have employment um, um, in, you know, an industry that's up and coming that, that has shown that it can be supportive and can be helpful. Um, you know, it's like, Top to bottom, it's like you know everything from the marketing to people, but then also creating opportunities to to lift up some of the people that um, um, that need it the most. Being that the cannabis industry is so young and kind of you know getting off of the ground right now, uh, do you think that it could be pretty much a model of uh, what an inclusive industry can look like for the rest of the you know other industries out there, and even some of the ones that kind of need to remodel off of what we're doing now? I I mean I think that would be great, and and you know. Maybe that wasn't, you know, our purpose when we first started talking about this. But like, obviously, it, it, cannabis has the ability to to lead to lead the way, as you said. Um, you know, already in the cannabis industry, um, there are more women at at the executive level um, than in other um, types of industries, in banking, insurance, and any kind of like. So there's more. There are more women on boards. Um, um, you know, that are leading cannabis companies. So right off the bat, you know, we've seen. The ability and, and and kind of pioneering, um, um, you know, inclusion at that level, um, but there's you know a lot a lot of work to do because you know the those you know the majority of those women, if not all of them, you know, are white, you know, so we're mm -hmm. still needing to work, um, you know, in addition to inclusion of the LGBTQ community, but more you know inclusion of 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 the black and brown community too, um, you know, it it is um, inherently a I think inherently a supportive industry in general, you know, kind of, you know, people who smoke weed are seen as outsiders, you know, people that are that are gay or trans are kind of seen as outsiders, you know, so there is a natural kind of synergy there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think part of it is, 
you know, doing the educational part portion of it, you know, with regards to how did this industry even get started? You know, people need to know that this, as we talked about earlier, you know, this has its origins, you know, in the queer community in San Francisco. You know, this isn't, you know, there were other efforts going on across the country, but that was that was it. That was, you know, um, um, the, you know, the the. That was the spark. Um, and it was really interesting, too. Like, this was in the mid-'90s, but seeing the people that, that you know, were supportive of this effort, you know, um, to collect enough signatures, you know, you oftentimes have to, to pay people to go out and get those signatures because you need so many of them. Um, and some of the people that supported those efforts financially, um, the guy who um, founded Men's Warehouse, um, contributed money to the campaign. Cool. Um, the person who founded and was the CEO of Progressive Insurance like gave money to this. So, you know, I think that's another part of it is that, you know, um, we need folks to to you know come out as you know recognizing that that um, you know that there is um, there is as I said some synergy between the the communities and why not um, um, take that opportunity as this brand new not brand new, but this very new, um, uh, uh, you know, industry and saying, why don't we do things right now, you know, and not wait 30 years and have somebody say, you know what you should be doing? Like, we know what we could be doing and should be doing. And, and people in this industry can start doing that right now. What are a few of those other communities and kind of synergistic groups of people that you envision working with in Florida outside of just the LGBTQ community? Well, I think, you know, the, the, the veterans community, I think, is um, um, a really important important part of this as well. Um, you know, they themselves have some barriers to care because, you know, because it's still a Schedule One drug, you know, the federal government won't cover it. And so you can't go to a VA hospital and have a doctor give you, you know, a, a medical card, right, mm -hmm. for, for medical marijuana. Um, and so, you know, we see veterans who are having to go to doctors outside of the VA, which they have to pay for out of pocket, right? Um, so, you know, I would like to, to find, find ways to, um, to be supportive of that community in getting them that, that care so that they can get the medicine that's going to help them the most. So I guess, uh, can you give us an example of one of the ways that you, you aim to help veterans, you know, in the near future? Well, I think there's there are a, a lot of good examples out there that might not nece be necessarily available to us in the state of Florida just because of the particular laws. But um, I read a great article um, a couple weeks ago of a grower in, um, I believe, Washington State who um, has a program where he gives plants to veterans. Um, it's a um, the veterans can can come to the dispensary. Um, uh, they are given a plant. They're given kind of a, a 101 on like how to care for the plant and how to, you know, how to feed it and how, all of that. Um, and so, you know, that's just, just one way that, that um, you know, that you could, you know, give and kind of proactively help, um, help, help a veteran get, you know, the medical care that they, that they need. So I guess in another means of access to the industry, uh, kind of conversations that we've seen and something that we touched on a lot in uh, the vault is social equity and ensuring access to licenses. So uh, I know we talked before we got on uh, today to start recording that there aren't really people nationally based that are kind of ensuring licensing for LGBTQ community. Uh, but I guess what about internationally or do you even see that being a need here stateside in the near future to kind of get set aside for the community to ensure, you know, some of the harms are undone that's been done to the community through, through this industry? Yeah, you know, I, I think that this is one of those those cases where um, um, the there there's similarities, 
but the the lived experiences are completely different. You know, like the social equity programs that that you know have been put in place. You know, like here in in, in Illinois with the adult use bill, um, um, are are absolutely necessary um, because of the people that have been harmed by the war on drugs and the people that have been harmed by the war on drugs are black and brown people. Um, definitely some of those black and brown people are queer as well, right? Um, but I think that the the efforts uh, on social equity, um, um, you know, should remain focused on on that, you know, on, on those communities that have been harmed the most. Um, and, and at the same time, recognize that, um, um, that, you know, there are some some barriers for LGBTQ people to get into the industry, but I don't think that we need to, you know, at this point, you know, provide any um, any any assistance other than you know recognizing that that you know that we should be including <laughs> LGBTQ people, you know, in 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 the work that we do in in um, in the community. Excuse me, in the industry. Um, um, you know, I think that's where that's where there's there's some crossover is is you know making sure that you're you are including um, you know those communities in in the work that you do going forward. How do you think we've talked a lot now on this episode about companies and maybe larger scaled companies, including this community and marketing to them? But what about like a listener? How could a listener who's listening to this and maybe doesn't own a cannabis company? <laughs> maybe not only just treat this community better, but include them in everything that they do. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like you know putting your putting your putting your money where your mouth is, um, and and supporting the companies and supporting dispensaries that you know are doing the good work, right? Um, one of the things that we used to do with the Human Rights Campaign was we did this thing called the Corporate Equality Index, and we rated. Um, um, Fortune 500 companies on how how well they did with with LGBTQ community. Like, did they have non discrimination policies? Did they have benefits? Did they, you know, financially or otherwise support you know initiatives in their communities? That kind of thing. Um, and you know, it, it allowed people to you know be able to to spend their money on the companies that were doing good by by queer people, right? And so it's in, in a similar way. You know, as a consumer, you get you decide where your money where your money goes, what products your money goes to, um, and so you know, I would encourage people to educate themselves ab- about um, the topic if if they you know want to support um, a, a company um, that's that's you know being supportive of LGBTQ people. You know, do a little research. You know, check out their, their website, see what kinds of you know blog posts they have. You know, do they. Um, are they participating in in events in their in their communities and and you can do that you know based on you know how folks are are working with LGBTQ people. You could also look at a company to see you know how they are doing by by veterans. You know you can look at a company and see like what other kinds of social goods you know they are they're involved in, um, and pick and choose where you spend your money that way, um, um, and also encouraging your friends I guess to do to do the same thing. Friday uh, is when we'll be releasing this episode, which is National Coming Out Day. Would you have any last parting words of encouragement, maybe, to any listeners out there? Um, you know, Coming Out Day is 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 a um, is an important day. You know, it, it was founded at a time when there weren't many people who were out and open about being queer, and so you know, it really was this idea that you know you're not going to get equality from the closet. You know, you need to be visible to be seen. Um, and it is still a really powerful day. There are still people that, you know, choose coming out day to be the day that they, they share their news with the world. Um, but also for us to remember that, like, 
queer people have to come out almost every single day. You know, when you meet somebody new, um, when you're filling out a form at the doctor's office, when you, you know, somebody says, what'd you do this weekend? And, you know, like, you're know, we going to tell them, you know, that you went to the, to the, you know, to the club and, and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so to remember that too, that coming out day is, is powerful and it's a reminder that, that, you know, it isn't just a one day thing. Um, and I also want people to remember too, that it's not just queer people that come out, but our allies come out too. Um, you know, you, you have that moment, hopefully when you realize that this is, you know, I care about somebody who's queer and so I'm going to take action or I'm going to speak up or I'm going to vote a particular way. So like, it isn't just about the LGBTQ people coming out, that there are, um, lots of ways that, that people have to come out, um, and come out as, um, a cannabis smoker, you come out as a medical marijuana patient, um, that, you know, it's as we share these parts of ourselves with people that we, we educate them about our lives and that changes them. Cause you know, if something remains an abstraction, it's easy to not care about it. But when you put a human face on something, it makes all the difference. Um, and so my message is, you know, keep putting a human face on, on who you are, what your identities are, and you're going to change the world. So I think that's a perfect place to end. I want to say thank you again, Candace, for joining us and informing us on everything inclusion with cannabis and the LGBTQ community. All right. Thanks for having me. It was great. Join the, Join revolution. the revolution.